to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we explore. That's what we do, we explore. Not in the old ways where they would break into some country's uh, tombs of the kings and steal all their treasure. That's not exploring. Exploring is when you go and you look at something and you leave nothing but fingerprints and garbage and take nothing but pictures and little incidental, not treasures, but like souvenirs, let's just say. Pick up what you want. Take what you want. so wonderful to see you again. Thank you for coming to visit. I so enjoy your visits. Why did you come by today? You don't need a reason. I'm so glad that you're here, but maybe you have a reason. What's that? You want to uh, learn something from me? No, don't put words in my mouth. Well, you're not here to speak for yourself, so I'm just going to assume that you have come to get some of my vast Knowledge, it's not vast. Well, it's vast, it's spread very thin. It looks like it's vast, but it has no depth. Isn't that beautiful? It's just like a thin meniscus or something like like a membrane of wisdom. And it can be punctured very easily. Let's not do that. Nothing sharp near the things that I know, or they will just uh, evaporate. We don't want that. Oh, my goodness. Come on in. Come on in, sit with me. I will be your guide. I will be your docent. Do you know what that is? Like a guide, like somebody, like a tour guide. I call myself an indocent in that I will show you around to the various sites naked. Not literally naked. You can't do a lot of that literally naked. Like go to a, if I was showing you around a factory or something, there's a safety issue. Now, Mr. Rogers he used to swim in the nude daily. They didn't show that on the show for obvious reasons. But he was against doing everything in the nude. For instance, he'd show those videos of going to factories. And this is how they make crayons. Should you not have clothing on, who knows what the machine will do? It, will, it, it doesn't know who, you from Adam. Really, it could grab you thinking you're wax. And I've seen that happen. It happens in the movies. I don't want to digress too much, although it's lovely to go off on tangents together. Come on, let me show you something over here. We'll get back to what we were talking about, but when I said wax, I thought of wax museums. Now, I have a dear friend who does that mid-sentence, so if I was saying something like that, and I said, you know, one time there was a wax, and they'd go, wax, wax, we say, and then there we go. But I'm the same person, so it's okay to interrupt myself, I think. And I'd never want to hurt myself but occasionally I am rude to myself, or even slightly condescending, but I don't mean anything by it. And I just do it to me. I wouldn't do it to you. But, uh, well, you know what? 
let's come back to wax museums. It's not open yet. Did you ever do that? You go, you walk blocks. You say, I'm going to this wax museum. What is, why is it closed? Every time I go to New York City, I think, let's do this exciting thing. I go, well, it's not there anymore. Or it's closed just now, just for this brief time that you're here. Okay, well, let's do, let's do something else. I'm sure what that means, that's fate saying, hey, go to the door next door. Go and knock on that, on the neighbor's door. So if you go to see your grandfather, he's not home, go to the neighbor's house. Because that's what fate is saying. Just go through any door. I would like to share something with you today. Maybe an exercise we can do. You go, oh, exercise. Not the kind where you throw up afterwards. I do notice that on, I'm looking at the videos of how to exercise. And a lot of them today say, hey, you're not really doing it right unless you vomit at the end. Now, that wasn't really, I remember doing that in PE in school, but I didn't know at the time that that was fantastic, that I was doing the right thing. And uh, I thought, gosh, gosh, I'm out of shape because I vomit. Also, they put lunch. They have lunch, PE, and then something else, math. It was all terrible. I, w I didn't do very well in school, but I blame a lot of it on the schedule. You're just not syncing up what you want me to learn to my optimum learning times or something, and it feels like you don't care. I feel like the point is not me learning something. It's just you being able to say that you tried. Because I never, n nobody really was interested whether I actually learned anything. They were just like, we're just all going through the motions, son. That's what it felt like. And uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you are really responsible for your own education. And that's when I taught myself law and medicine and all those things. And because my standards are much lower than most people, I fancy myself an expert. And I do like to know a little of everything, just because sometimes those bar trivia contests have pretty decent prizes. At least you can get a coupon book. Now, I have a few things that I can offer you. I have gained a few skills in my life just by being alive. You know how that is. For instance, you know, like in, like navigating insurance, but also whittling, but also things that perhaps will be valuable to you. Not public speech, obviously. I'm not. You're not here for that. I hope. I'm here for acting and elocution lessons. Oh dear. Well, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot. That's what the Three Stooges taught me. That. Don't turn down a job just because you're woefully unqualified. And never say you're not a thing if someone's confused you for it. For instance, you're walking in the hospital because you just saw your friend who had, it was a major surgery, it was hernia, but you wanted to come visit just because you thought maybe there'd be pain medication. So uh, you're visiting your friend, you're walking down the hall, and someone says, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, fine. And you go, yes. Like that, and then they say, quick, come with us. There's doctoring to be done. And you think, well, if it's not, if it's anything shy of surgery, I don't mind doing it. And I would completely have no compunction about doing unqualified psychiatry. I believe I could, I could surely spot the people that are really super need help. And now I think that's all that you're supposed to do is just you know, say, hey, yes. I'm confirmed. They bring the psychiatrist in for that. 
Doctor, could you come in here? Yes. We have a suspicion about this patient. All right. Who's the president? Yep. There's something's wrong. And so, uh, I don't know. I'll think about it. Get to the, ask the regular doctor. I'm just here for my expertise. Look at my watch. You can tell by my watch that what I do is pretty, uh, pretty important and pretty lucrative. I'm not wearing one right now. Watch, because I don't need to know the time. That's even, makes me even more important. If you were the most important person in the world, you wouldn't need to even look down at your hands because you'd be so confident that I don't need to know the time. I'm sure my hands are doing something good. Uh, I'm sure they're well taken care of. I've, got, I've hired people just to pay attention to them in case I move them near a hot stove. I no longer want to be, have full I've outsourced a lot of my autonomy and agency to people who know better. They go, go ahead and move now. I do have a problem with, a little bit problem with self-motivating, but not being motivated. I just can't do it internally a lot of times. If someone says, Hardy, do this, I do it with gusto and all my soul. But if someone says, do whatever you want, problematic. So that is an introduction to what I'm about to do in a little exercise, and it would be optimally, it would be nice if you could close your eyes. However, I realize some of you are driving. Also surgery. I know there's a particular one. I'm not going to say who you are, but I know a doctor listener does surgery listening to the show, and it's just, that just tickles me to death, and uh, the patient as well. So, uh, but isn't that exciting? And I know people that drive uh, cabs and, and who are wonderful people who obviously have no regard for the person that they're transporting, but that doesn't matter. Hey, do your thing. Like Moondog said that. said, do your thing. He meant it like, go to hell, like that. Do your, shouldn't you be doing your thing, Moondog would say as he stood on uh, whatever avenue. I forget. We, we all know, 7th or something, or 5th and Main, and he'd stand there. He was a, a jazz musician, and they call him a Viking because he wore this helmet thing, but I don't know if it had anything to do with being an actual Viking. He wouldn't hurt anybody. And uh, anyway, I'm, now I'm going, now I'm way off. But here's what I want to do with you. I want to help you imagine things. And I want to help you imagine things concretely and to create uh, sort of spaces in your brain. Now, how do you do that? You say, well, you know, you've heard the idea of a mind palace and you know my mind duplex that I have. I share it with a, a friend, has the other half. Actually, the, the culture has the other half. It's a duplex, my mind duplex. I share it, one half is mine and the other half belongs to, guess, y'all. And all the things out there. And I can hear you on the other side of the wall doing terrible things. And if you start a fire, we all burn down. That's the thing about the mind duplex. It is not uh, an isolated palace, unfortunately. It's in a complex. It's not quite an apartment complex. I think there's just one other half to it. Or maybe they just, there's the, the family of man lurks in a room. I have a recurring dream where I have this wonderful, beautiful, spacious house, but there's one room. This is a total other family lives there. And they go, shut the door, you know, close your doors, are cold. They don't say that. That's in the, uh, uh, Senior Wences. But if he might have been in there. 
They're in there watching old Ed Sullivan shows, that family that lives in my extra room. But, and so maybe it's Anne Frank. I don't think so. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I want you, again, if you can close your eyes, that's wonderful. If you're not sighted, skip that part. Doesn't matter. But what we're trying to do is uh, visualize in our minds only. I do a version where we do it outside of our minds with crayon. But this one we're going to do just inside. So it's very difficult to actually visualize things. I'm going to tell you that right now. And we're going to get to a part where you go, is, uh, is this even my brain? And you'll go, yeah, maybe not. So here, the first thing we're going to do is picture a door. Now, that's easy enough. You've seen doors. It's a rectangle that's a little taller than you are, isn't it? It's a little wider than you are. Let's just see a rectangle first. Let's, uh, we don't have to make it a door. You've probably already put a knob on it, but you can put anything you want on it, any type of handle. And you can picture the hinges, three hinges, two hinges, a large piano bench hinge. It's one continuous hinge or anything like that. I don't know how you've affixed it to the other thing, but it's a front door. Maybe it's got a design on it. Maybe you don't even have to go into details. If you can just maintain the rectangle, that's a lot. So we're going to have this door. We see a door. and we Again, we notice its shape, and we notice its hinges, and we notice a knob, something we can open it with. And as we picture the knob, it just keeps changing into every shape of every handle that we've ever seen. It's so strange. Now it's a knob. Now it's one of those long handle things. Now it's one of those handles like an old grocery store, pre, pre-automated, you know, when you used to have to open the grocery store door. You remember those? And they had the kind of winged handles. There's one, never mind. So we're opening the door now. We're opening the door, and you can see it open, and uh, you're walking. Let's just picture the, the rectangle that is the threshold. So another rectangle that we can move forward. We've got this solid one, and we're moving. Open and close the door. Now we're stepping through, and what we're stepping through into is not a room. Don't picture a room. It's just the inside of a cube. It's a large cube. It's um, maybe three times as tall as you are. You can make it whatever dimension you, you want, but it's just a cube. There's no other windows or doors in it yet. It's not a color or anything. You can make it wood if you want, a big wooden cube you're inside now. So we're not going to put anything in it yet because if you just try to imagine a room, it's going va- to quickly uh, vacillate between every room you've ever seen in every kind of house. And especially when you do exercises like this, people always picture some sort of historic house that they visit. I'm walking into the old Henry Clay estate or something. It feels like that. You never, uh, I've never done it where I've walked in and they go, oh my, it's my grandparents' house in Boca Raton. Never. So it's always some kind of big old Victorian house or something like that. Is that where my mind comes from? Are the basic building blocks of my mind Victorian English. Oh, Lord. That's something you don't want to... Maybe we're exploring places we don't want to go. Oh, you see things about yourself. Things you've inherited. You go, what is this? This old walking stick? That's not a walking stick. That sticks for uh, beating baby animals. Oh, no. I always thought it was the Sunday go-to-meeting stick, we called it. Nope, nope, nope. It's the Sunday meet-your-maker stick. 
So it suddenly has a different context, and you have to deal with all this. Deny, accept, or you can accept and observe and understand and see and rise above or in an empty room. Now let's put a table there. Let's just, a, it can be a humble table, whatever you want. See, that's the thing. Every time I say whatever you want, you're going to encounter a little problem, or most people are, and that is, I don't know what I want. And it's very, even if you know what you want, you might not know what you want. So I'll give you anything in this room, and you go, ah, sports car. It is a room. Now you have a sports car in a room. So you start having to think about why you want the thing and what the, what the real need is. What if I want, if I'm thinking about that gold watch, is the hole in my soul really gold watch shaped? What am I looking to, what's the feeling I'm chasing? And now that I'm in my mind and I got nobody around and I can conjure anything I want, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time going through my desires. I can't quite find them. And when I do, sometimes they look like just things I've seen. Oh, God, I'm a machine. That's it. Now I know everybody else is out there going, we're having no problem. You, you're having a problem, Hardy, because we all know you're a robot. Now you're just, you're just now finding out, and I'm so sorry. See, it's even a movie like that. God. Who am I? Why did you come here today and insist on going through my brain like this? I'm just kidding you. Oh, my word. I always keep it. Uh, there's always a lightness to whatever I do. I'm always sort of escaping. Did you ever see uh, Andre Rublev, the Tarkovsky movie? It goes up in the balloon. I know it probably doesn't end well for that fella, but, boy, that's just that feeling of floating away from the, the hordes that are chasing you. You know, even if it's temporary, there they are. Look, they, for a little while, they look like little ants there going after me. And I can rise above it. Oh, wow, yeah. Rising above. What are you using? I'm using the, the hot air, the gas that the, the world has given me. Oh, you've, you've got, you seem that, that life has given you more hot air and gas than most, Hardy. Well, that may be. And for that, I am thankful, except when it gets to a certain point. I was once in uh, Carcassonne, France, the great medieval walled city, except I think it was the 90s. But it might, maybe it was the 1590s. No, but it's an old city, a walled city, you know, and it, a wonderful, it's like being in Disneyland, if it wasn't maintained, but it is sort of maintained, you know, just the way the, it's old, and there's a beautiful old torture museum there, you can see how people were tortured in the Middle Ages, and uh, Cathars, and things like that, it's like, you know, be, be a Catholic, no, okay, split you in half, now you are, uh, things like that, so I ate one of the regional dishes there. And if you've been to the western France, you know that they have this dish there called cassoulet. And cassoulet is a beautiful bean, white bean-based dish. And it has garlic in it, lots of garlic and white beans and, uh, and uh, often sausage and duck confit. 
You know, so it's rich. It's just fat and beans and garlic, and they serve it in a terracotta bowl, in an unfinished terracotta bowl that's baked. It's all baked in there. Did I add that? So it's just fat and beans, and, and I ate a bowl, and I ate the whole bowl, which, which is a little larger than my stomach, let's say. And then the, the, it all started to break down in my gut as I lay there in a quaint Carcassonne Inn uh, digesting or attempting to digest my cassoulet. But see, it was working against me as I heated that mixture in my gut. The gases swelled and my, my whole abdomen bloated and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until I started to look like a balloon and I floated. I don't know what kind of gas it was. I floated out the window and I started flying above the town like little Nemo. It was like a dream. I'm flying there except I'm not in my floating bed, my gas bubble of a stomach. So at the, you know, and I'm in excruciating pain as you can imagine. If you have your insides distended like that by digesting beans and even though you have this majestic view of a beautiful medieval city lit at night oh you're in the clouds with the blue sky i mean it's night blue you know that kind of blue moon there's a full moon i couldn't enjoy it you know i was just like i hope i can expel this uh this gas and i hope that the expellation you know when i do expel it <laughs> that it doesn't, that I am not rocketed to another region. I mean, there's lovely regions of France. So if you were, uh, if you are floating around up there and you pass gas with some for, enough force to, to jet you like a SST south, then there's beautiful places like Set and everything on the, on the Mediterranean there. Uh, Magoulon, the seat of the uh, popes at one point. You know, they moved the uh, papacy uh, to France for a while. The popes were like, you know what? I love, I love Rome, but uh, we're not, wouldn't it be nice to kind of be on vacation all the time? So at first they moved it to Boca. So all for a while there was at least four of the Boca popes and that's why the Bogotone polo team was named the Popes for a long time. And they had a seat there, and it was they had a beautiful Spanish colonial architecture in all the cathedrals. It was really spectacular. All gone. Now, a lot of the traces of that are gone, you know. They don't have that around anymore. You've left me in an empty room in my mind, conjuring a table. Make the table. Now put something on the table that you want. I like pudding. Remember, it's in your imagination. So a lot of the things that you might want could be bodily. You know, and then you find yourself, well, when I'm going through it in my mind, the custard is not quite as rich or sweet. I have a hard time imagining sweetness. I have a hard time smelling my imagination. So if I was to sit and I was trying to uh, conjure the memory of the smell of a rose in this room that you and I have made, I could do it maybe a, a little, but then I'd really have to start thinking about 
What's the smell of a rose make me feel? Nice. We don't have words for it. That's the, we do this to children when we're teaching them to write poetry. And I'm like, how's that rose make you feel? Nice. Smell. I don't know. They don't have a vocabulary. No one does. It, it's, these things are almost indescribable. And we try, and the words go on, and they just lull me sometimes. I love poetry, but not for the reasons that the poet thinks. Uh, and that's, um, bless them, that's fine. I know I get a lot of them, and a lot of angry emails from, from English departments, which are uh, kind of warrens, nests. The poets nest together. They find one another. Sometimes they live alone in obscurity and write their poems. But a lot of times they understand that, you know, shared language, shared imagery, hard to be unique. And when you make up your own language, well, people don't always get it. And the words of uh, Court Schwitters, he didn't sound like, in the original German, it it's makes more sense, what I just said. Um, you can't really appreciate it. He would have said. But um, still, sometimes I feel like I can only express myself through either not making sense or sounds or inappropriate emotions. What do you mean inappropriate emotions? Well, did you ever see a uh, performance, let's say, and you say, oh, we're going to a performance artist. And you go, with them. oh, you know, a comedian's a performance artist, but they don't say performance artist because when you say performance artist, it's just you, you worry, you know, although, and the reason you're worrying is because of your expectations. You want them to be met. And when they're not met at all, it's frightening. And it isn't frightening because you think it's something you're going to be hurt or wounded or anything. You're just... You don't have your reaction prepared, and this makes you self-conscious. You go, well, what if I go to this performance artist's performance, and I'm confronted with some very uncomfortable thing, and I don't, haven't really thought about how am I going to react to it yet, and what if my reaction is, is sort of out of my control? Isn't that interesting? So that's why we allow a lot of entertainment to not do that to us. We want to be prepared. I got my reaction all set. I have my expectations. I have a comfort zone, not just a zone of no pain, but a zone of silk sheets that I put on. So uh, ask ourselves, is it all right for art to make you slightly chilly? You know, I had a, I put on a play one time in the middle of winter with no heat, and I know I wasn't, you know, people were mad at me, but it wasn't dangerous cold, it was just uncomfortable. It was like being bloated with gas as you're floating over Carcassonne at night. It was a mixture. So how do I uh, uh, separate these things from my, my physical, uh, Feelings and emotions. What things? Art, my reaction to it. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. So you go to this performance, and there's an empty stage, and a person comes out on the stage, and they start uh, 
making noises or something. And this goes on for, you you add the time to it. You know, making noises for 10 seconds is different than 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, you're saying, oh, I'm saying this is conceptual. I'm not supposed to feel anything or am I supposed to be annoyed or all that kind of thing. Then you find yourself thinking too much. You say, shouldn't the artist be doing all this thinking for me? Why am I having to go through all this? I'm, there's too much figuring out here on my, on my part. I don't like that. You know, there's some people that, there's some people that will pay more for table service when they could right, go right up to the buffet. And uh, I think that's one is they want to feel in control of a human being, so they want a, a waiter. And then, uh, and, and just, I don't want to have to stand to get my, my food. But you got to remember, when you stand at that salad bar, there's someone who knelt to pick your melon. So if you can't stand there, I can't stand, Hardy. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. That's all right. Do you want me to, hey, I'm going to get, I'll make a plate for you. No, you, I don't want to, that's why I never tell you to do anything. My gosh, I don't know what your abilities or capabilities or even your desires are. Maybe you don't want to imagine anything. But that's really easily dealt with. And that's just, well, I'm not going to listen to this fella. This goes on. Does he just talk like this? Sometimes. Sometimes he plays these, like, kind of, kind of cartoony things. Well, I'm going to go one of them episodes. All right. But, you know, I think that the people that a lot of, uh, you, my listeners, are people that also could listen to an album that had one song per side. And I bless you for that. Because there's great albums that are like that. You know, Isaac Hayes. You know, that's one. Um, by the time I got to Phoenix, that's a, what is that, 20 minutes or something? I think that's Okay. I like to ease into something. I might want to hear someone speaking to me from their heart because you know I am. You know where it's coming from. You know I'm not that that type of crazy that isn't afraid uh, or isn't afraid enough of uh, sharing uh, their real fears. There's the pure terror of being alive. Not the little inconveniences, like I'm also afraid of social things. No, I'm, I speak to the, the great terror that is just waking up every day and facing everything and facing the inevitable fact of your own demise. Oh, what are we going to do? People used it to sell you all sorts of things, the fear of your own death and others. It's looming over us all the time, the unspoken death gorilla. What are you doing? I'm waiting. Well, you're making me uncomfortable. Could you leave and come back? No, I shall lurk every second of every day behind you and all your friends and family. Oh, Give me some answers to comfort my heart. Oh, all I can say to you is this. All I can say to you is learn to make rooms in your mind and learn to to use your gas, your belly gas, to travel and to see things and to experience 
And the more you are uh, present in a moment, because these moments, they do actually contain eternity. I've done the math. You don't even have to not believe me. Because there's, a, there's nothing easier to prove than there's no future or past. And I, could, I could prove it to you in an evening. Come over sometime, and I'll prove it to you. It takes a little talking. Because it's really tall. It's hard to talk people out of the past. You can talk them out of the future because there is no future at any given time. But uh, talking them out of the past is rough because they've been using it to do predictive things, you know. But um, if you point out how unreliable your interface is with it, then I think that people say there is no thing but right so here you are now uh, what do we do i don't know i know now it's, it's a heavy burden you say be in the moment good lord the moment weighs the weight of the universe is the uh, a moment is as heavy as all the matter in the universe that's what the god it's on me what am i gonna do with it you may you're saying what do you want i don't know what i want why are you even asking me The pressure is on. If I do go to a restaurant and there's a lot of items on the menu, I'm sunk. If there's pictures, you know, you go to some of those, they have like 50 pages. A lot of the ones that have ice cream and hamburgers, they've just got to take a picture of everything. And um, I feel like the food is doing it. Like, look at me, like their food selfies. Does look good to you? And then you've got it. You go through it all, and you go, "This is too much," you know. And you maybe you order too much or something like that. It's nice to have the the fixed menu, you know. And then you go and say, "What's on the menu tonight?" And they say, "Meatloaf." And you go, "I don't eat meatloaf," you know. And they go, "Well, there you go." Well, what else do you have? Eat the salad, I guess. Just eat the rice is a punchline. To a cannibal joke. And uh, I remember this because I was at the Calder Racetrack down in South Florida. And a friend said, we're going to go to the races. And I said, all right, I'm not, I'm not super into that. I said, no, come on, it's fun. It's like it's kind of campy, too. And uh, I can get us in, too. The turf club there, there's like a, you know, uh, like a bar you can go in, watch all the races behind glass. You don't have to associate with the riffraff. Normally, it's like you have to pay a lot of money or something. I know somebody. All you have to do is wear a jacket. And if you don't have a jacket, they they give you one. That used to be, that's kind of old school. They don't do that anymore. It's like, jacket required. You don't have one. Here's an ill-fitting one. And you put that on. And you wear the house jacket. Young people are... Do young people know about this? The house? Go into the turf club, and I see comedian Shecky Green. And bless his heart, he's still with us. Thank goodness. And Shecky, Elvis opened for Shecky. So uh, he's there, and everybody is starstruck. A lot of people are starstruck. And why they're not noticing... Pete Rose, I don't know. He doesn't want to be noticed because he's he's betting a lot of money on the ponies. And there's Shecky Green, though. So Shecky Green is is 
surrounded by people who are, you know, want to get to know him or something, and they're being real obsequious and fawning. And one of them tells him this old, kind of what you were having your mother-in-law for dinner, uh, well, just eat the rice or something, old cannibal joke. And to him, to a comedian, to a fa- very famous one, you tell the joke. So I don't know if you know this. Could you imagine you bumping into like a real famous stand-up comedian? And you go, I got a joke. I got a joke for you. People used to do that though. And I just saw, oh dear, I've seen people even to this day do it to people. And I just want to apologize to all performers and all humans everywhere. But it's, I'm sure they mean well. Oh, they can't. No, because none of us would do that. I don't think. I got a joke for you. You're gonna love this one. Oh, all right. I got a song for you. I did see at the same, another time at the same track, I did see one of the people behind the betting window try to get uh, Mel Brooks to read his nephew's script, which is, you know, people go for those opportunities. Everybody, if you're a celebrity, I bet people do that all the time for you. I got to, let me hand you this script. You mean a prescription? No, 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 a movie script. <laughs> I don't know, I can't do anything. They will all... Sometimes people used to mail me music. Say, here, play this on your show, Hardy. I go, I'm playing music, but thank you. And um, so, yeah, they want to, people want to help you out uh, like that. You know, your clergy will come up, hey, I got a new new kind of prayer for you. I got a new kind of thing. I got a new kind of thinking about God. I thought I'd give you, I got a new theology. I thought I'd set you up. No, I'm good. Just tell me anyway. Well, no, I don't have any new ideas. Is there nothing new under the sun? Well, there's no under the sun, is there? So that's the problem right there. And what do you mean by new? I mean, every person is new, you know, but they're not sort of original. They've been manufactured by previous ones, biologically. So I don't even know those concepts are what hold us back, man, Oh, free your mind. No, your mind's totally free. I'd say try to get a hold of it. People say, free your mind. No, your mind's running everywhere. Your mind's got so much freedom right now that it's staying there out late at night in the alleys and everything. It's getting into trouble. It's robbing grocery stores. Oh, I feel like your mind's got way too much freedom. What you need to do is go around pay more attention to it, spend some quality time with it, rein it in a bit. Give it some structure. Give your mind some something to do. And that's what I think. And uh, no, I don't know. I'm just using the analogy. If you know, what if it were, you know, an orphan or something that you got that someone gave you? They don't. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? If you had to take care of a child, I'm sort of obsessed with Jungle Book because I don't know. I feel like God. There's something. It affected me really strongly as a as a child i just felt like i felt like baloo and bagheera were doing a lot of of real authentic parenting and i i just feel like mowgli um was an ingrate you know i just i feel like he got more than he gave and uh, the, this wonderful opportunity to be 
parented by these exquisite uh, mammals, a, a, a South Asian bear uh, species, and uh, they make it so him so large in the movie, but I think he's like badger size, and then and a and a, a, a black panther, not the not a member of the movement. I mean a, a real one, and uh, as parents, it's exciting, and I feel like Mowgli didn't know how how good he had it, really. Some of us don't know how bad we have it, or good we have it, or that we have it, and but or do we? So there's a reason not to know some things. They're either unknowable or we already think we know them and so we're not looking for the answers anymore. That could be a problem too. So I thought I already knew that. Now, it, I find that out about kitchen things all the time. So I thought I knew how to chop an onion. Now, and it happens to me constantly. I thought I knew how to navigate friendships. So I thought I knew how to exercise. As I get older, that's a big one. You go, ooh, different body. I'm noticing that. And uh, not, not worse, just different. Body does things differently than it did 20, 40 years ago, you know. And uh, does a lot of things different than it did uh, 50, 60 years ago. Um, I'm not over 60, so it didn't do anything. But I feel like I'm much different than I was as a toddler. If you see pictures of my legs when I was just a few months old, they're a totally weird, different shape than they are now. And they are quite leaner, I might say, now than they are. I was a little bit of a boy. There was a couple, few months there. Uh, but now I'm, I'm totally different. I have just about the same amount of hair on my head as I did when I was born. So we're getting, we're going full circle I love that. I never used to identify with either one of the, the new year or the old year. But now the old year is looking more like, yeah, man, yeah, pops, I can relate. So I'm closer to that one than the little baby. So, and they're both in diapers. Isn't that the beautiful thing? And they're both wearing a sash. And I kind of long for that. I would love a sash with maybe the, I don't know what on it. <laughs> I remember there was a, uh, a, a woman that, used to buy um, a classified, you know, paid ad, classified ad. She'd buy a little thing in the paper, and she'd put her picture in there and then announce she'd won some sort of award. And one of them was she was uh, in a, like a tiara and a dress and had a sash on, and it said World Intellectual. And I thought, that's amazing. And she had, it was in the paper. And I thought, I'm going to, someday I'm going to do that. Because you just need it. just need some, uh, some ribbon. I think it's, I can get everything from the craft store. Ribbon, glue, the squirty kind that you can write with, and glitter. And then I just put it in the, in the paper. I wear perhaps a top hat. So it looks like I was at, I just came from the World Intellectual Ceremony. Now I think about that. I hope the person isn't listening. But I feel like, you know, it was... This was fulfilling some sort of need. Someone felt maybe a little inferior. They weren't be taken seriously, and they wanted everyone to know that yes, you know, despite what you may think from hearing me speak and my ideas, that I am not an intellectual. 
but I, must, I assure you that I am assuring you I am. Intellectual. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to or can't think the way I can because of their health. And uh, they, don't, they either have it or, you know, they don't want to lose it thinking this way. So it's such a scattered way to live your life, isn't it? Well, I don't. I just, it's not the way I live my life. It's mostly in, an internal chaos that I enjoy. But then I try to uh, uh, focus it by making these little houses. Back to our cube. So you've got this cube. Now we want to put a door somewhere to another room. But see, I don't have this room complete yet. Just leave this one empty. The, the mistake people make with real houses and, and the ones in their mind are getting all the furniture at once. There's this feeling we've got to decorate the whole room. Well, now we've got this empty house. We need a giant sofa, two chairs, a carpet, a coffee table, two end tables, two lamps on those end tables, an additional chair. You know, it's so strange. And then the all living rooms get this same thing. And you say, well, that's just in the West. You know, maybe it is true. But, you know, uh, still we feel the need to, uh, those who furnish rooms like to furnish them. But it's to do so over time would be good. You're sitting there and you go, what does this need? I don't know. Let's sit down and think about it. And you're all sitting down and you think about it. And your, uh, your elderly aunt comes over. And you say, elderly aunt, can you sit upon this pillow or this nothing on the floor? And she says, "Do you not? Don't you have like a chair or something?" And you go, "What about cultures that don't have chairs?" And she goes, "I'm not from one of those. I'm from New Jersey, and we sit in upholstered chairs, preferably ones that have the bare legs covered by a little skirt." Okay, I'm sorry. I forgot. Sorry, Auntie. You can. All those things are available right there from your brain now a lot of our brains don't work right what's right who knows they all work they work they don't work there's no right really uh there is um to other people but not to you there's pain and suffering that's all that's all real i discovered that the hard way and then how was that i was born i may or may not have agreed to be born i don't remember um so much ago i don't remember the beginning of the show i do actually i remember every word of it i wish i couldn't sometimes though you know because we're burdened by our memories aren't we some of them we can't shake some of them we try to bury in a little room of our mind duplex and they keep popping their little heads back in but you know if i say if i promise i'm going to go see them regularly maybe sometimes they'll listen to me Say, look, I'm going to drop in on you. We'll work things out past traumatic event. I'll be gone. Let me get back to you. But meanwhile, I got some fun to have. Oh, the joy that I would like to spread to you right now. I'd like to spread it on you like, like Lakshmir. Except it's not locks, it's joy. And it's not, but it's still cream cheese. It's in cream cheese, though, or it won't, it won't have the right consistency. To rub on you, to put on that that uh, veneer. 
of joy in a, in a, you know, in a dip form. I love it, and I love to be with you. I just like being, I like being alive, I think. I'm pretty sure. It's not always easy, and I don't, I don't want to be alive anymore. All right. No, I do. Wait. Uh, and we, I feel, lots of us feel that way. And just come here and hold my hand until it passes. And you get back to that feeling. It's like, well, you know, I could, you, I, you know what I'm craving? Weirdly sauerkraut. So that's what we want to get back to. So hold my hand with, with me. Oh, there's none of this is easy. And it's all like, it's only as long as every moment is. So spend one of those moments with me. And we'll smile at each other in adversity. That's all there is, a lot of it. And uh, so I just want a little, I just want a little thing between the, it's sometimes it's not there. Sometimes the, what you, ha, you finally get your dream of floating over the city and you've got belly pain. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know. I'm just going to embrace it anyway. And I find that together we do much better than I do alone. That uh, needing one another, you have made me feel so needed over the years. And I know, I, I don't know if it's uh, anything I'm doing. I don't, I would love to keep doing the same thing so that you keep uh, needing me, but I don't know what I've done. But then you bless me with something. You'll say, thank you, Hardy, uh, for talking to us. And I, I, I love to do it. And I love to share what I'm thinking because I'm thinking about what should I say to beautiful, loving, caring people who are alive, who are sometimes not loving and caring because of the cruelty and injustice of the world and things are physical pain and emotional pain and things happen beyond our control and we're all feeling like it's all or careening in five different directions. Oh, let's embrace and hold one another. And that way we'll keep each other from floating off into space and we're defying the inevitable, yes, but it feels so great in the moment when we do and derive strength from one another. I like doing it. If you can take any energy from Hardy when Hardy feels tapped into the greatness that is being alive and being human, when I feel like I have transcended all the things that would drag me down and discourage me, and I find them in you, my friend, connecting with other people who are alive and celebrating our aliveness and how temporary it is and being aware of how precious, how precious and amazing that limited quantity is focused and alive and aware and we wake up for it see that's the thing if there's going to be a small event you wake up for it you wake up you open your eyes and it's not easy you know it'd be great to just slumber slumber forever if nothing was going on nothing's going on you can just sleep but if there's an event something's happening you got to wake up for it you got to open your eyes you got to get out of bed it's hard it's hard to stand up and face it everything feels creaky there's discomfort i need to go to the window to see the amazing event if i don't i will miss it it's uh, there is it worth it it was worth it it's worth it 
I'm feeling it, I'm feeling shaky, and I'm feeling tired, and my eyes are red, and my heart is heavy, and I'm looking now towards the heavens, and I see something revealed. I see the source of what I desire right there, something, it's just a moment, I can't even define what it is. I can't define what it is. It isn't anything. I'm not going to label it and saying, and that thing is. It isn't. It isn't. I don't think it's anything. It's a moment. I've just come alive for it, and I've come aware, and I've opened my eyes, and it's the mere process of being awake that does it. And all of a sudden, everything is the message, and everything I focus on makes me aware that I can go infinitely into one of these homes and create anything I want in any room and I have all the power in my mind to do that. It's all contained. I have it all. All the things that were uh, turned against me, all the weapons shot at me, I've absorbed. I've absorbed and I've put them in there and I can use them and I can make things out of them. All the insults I can turn into end tables. All the arrows I'll turn into lamps. All the hate I'll turn into a carpet. I can do that. I could rise with you. Oh, you do it for me, my friend. I'm so glad. I know that you might be going through something right now. But there might be, and I, it's, oh, I'm in a dark tunnel. Let's live here now. I'll move into the tunnel with you. Because, you know, if you just keep hankering for the end of the tunnel, you might be disappointed. So let's just turn our attention and find something infinite in one of these tiles. Let's look at the side of the tunnel. We're in this subway tunnel now. It's a dark, oh, but look, but look at the tile. Look at the wear on these. In every single tile, there's some sort of stain that forms a pattern, and that pattern is some sort of beautiful painting, isn't it? What can I see? I see someone sitting there contented by the side of a river fishing. Look at their hats tilted that way. Maybe it's some, maybe it's rat feces, but to me, it looks like a beautiful painting. Look at this other tile. We're looking at it together. We're laughing and using our imagination. We forget that we're in a tunnel. We're not yearning for the light of the other end. We're not pining for the light of the end we came in with. We're just sitting there in the middle of it, engaged with one another, forgetting that we were headed anywhere. That's how we do it. That's how I want to do it, is be there with you in these moments. And I know that that's not what you need all the time. If you would get, if I, what if I was like uh, the first thing in the morning, you wake up and you start listening to heart, you'd never get to work. You know, would you? You know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'll just stay here and I'll, I'll stay here and I'll draw comics. So uh, that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that maybe you're listening to me at dinner time or maybe as you go to sleep. Or some people have listened to me uh, at the end of their lives. I've been around long enough for that to happen. Imagine that. So I think about that. I think about being an accidental psychopomp. And that I might be with you in your imagination sometimes. And I want to be a beautiful force of compassion and love, unconditional love for you in your imagination at least. Don't think of the, of the literal person I am. The one that has guts and gas. Think of the one over the radio, the, the character me, the thing I play, the thing in your imagination, the role I am in your imagination. You can bring me in and have me do things for you in there. 
give you encouragement maybe, give you an unconditional affirmation, just tell you I love you, tell you the way that you are. Everything that you're doing is human. There's nothing you can do that's not human. There's nothing you can feel that isn't generated by your human brain and feelings. There is no creative way that you can cope that the universe will be phased by. And your other people may oppress you or try to tell you who you are or try to move into your kick you out of your own mind palace, but they can't. That's yours. And they can live in the other side of the duplex and make all the ruckus they want and they can burn their cooking and you might have to smell it. But you can also release the smell of roses. If you like roses, if you don't, you can release some other smell. Uh, oud. I don't know what you want to do. Bless you. Oh, my friends. I want to tell you right now uh, that I'm going to be appearing. Listen to this. March 10th at Monty Hall. Tickets just went on sale. WFMU, this is for the marathon that's coming up. I'm going to be in town live March 10th at Monty Hall doing a live a live show where I stand up there on stage and confuse you. And I've done, I haven't done one in a couple of years because uh, of COVID, but uh, now I'm doing one again. And it's a very, it's very exciting. And you can get, the, it's all to raise money for the marathon. And then I think tickets just went on sale. So you want to get those uh, from, the, from FMU so you can go to it. And, um, and isn't that fun? And uh, it, it's a limited capacity. And then if you miss it, I will just step out on the sidewalk and go, well, hello, for 15 minutes and you can take pictures. So, uh, no, you wouldn't. Why would you want to do that? But um, that excites me so much because then I get to see you. And then, uh, boy, there's nothing like that, that energy of just being together. It's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a salve for the heart. And you need your heart salve. And uh, just rub it on in there. If you could take your heart out and then put some kind of balm on it and rub it rub it all in, massage it real good, and put it right back in. You go, I feel fresher. Feels like I had my soul's had a shower. And um, that's what I'd love to do. I'd like, I'm going to tell you a story. I got it all prepared. I'm getting it. Oh, I'm preparing it. I'd like to give out some facts, too. I do it so you'll be edified in a way, not just confused. And hopefully the most important thing is you'll feel something because that's the only thing that I have any proof of that's happening is that we're feeling and experiencing something so knowledge wisdom is not as important to me as uh giving you a feeling and that feeling i want is something that will ease your soul and mind and make you feel at peace and uh loved and and uh, wanted and necessary Oh, my goodness, you are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org, worldwide, freeform radio, the way the radio freeform is. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you again next week.
Twins name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. 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 Twins name was Ebony.